Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Well, Utah is on the field. They're in shorts. Looks like uh, they're wearing uh, like muscle tees and shorts. Cam Rising on the field. I'm looking at him now. He's got a knee brace on. He is playing catch who, uh, with the uh, backup quarterback, and we'll see if Cam Rising can go. Steven, I'll get you updated, but I'm watching him play catch right now. But he's done that every week, so that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Stepping into the studio, Nick Daschle of the Oregonian. He covers Oregon State. He's joined us. Uh, I want to talk about the other side. We've been we've spent a lot of time this week talking about DJ Uyunglele. What's going on with him? What do you see happening, and what are they talking about within the program? Well, the ru- the running game is. Do I sound sound okay here? Yeah, you sound great. Okay, you're great. Um, the running game has kind of taken over the offense to some degree, and they kind of feel like maybe he's not getting into a rhythm enough. And so I can see them working on some things to get him more in a rhythm early in a game because, you know, I talked to Lindgren earlier in the week about about that, and he said, yeah, we probably need to do some things like quick passing early in yeah. the game just to get him going because – I mean, there's times when six, seven, eight of the first ten plays are running plays, and it's hard for a quarterback to, you know, get into some sort of flow when when that happens. So we'll see. I mean, we know he's capable because he he was capable at San Jose State. He was capable against UC Davis, and he was he looked good in camp. So it's not like he can't do the job. He, he it's just a combination of him being a little inaccurate. And his receivers maybe not, you know, getting as open as they need to get or whatever the reasons might be. I don't think it's all DJ, but the, unfortunately for a quarterback, it's always about the quarterback. So, If he doesn't get it going, you know, I've talked about this, and I know you asked about this in the news conference. Is there a chance we see a little bit of Aiden Childs tonight? I mean, there's always a chance. I, you know, it's Utah, so it's going to be you know a difficult ask. I, Jonathan's always been he's always been hesitant to to pull his quarterback. Um, that's just the only time he's done it was with Sam Neuer in in year was the 2021 season. He, he he pulled him after the first game, but that was a different situation. He's never benched his quarterback as far as I can remember. And he stayed with guys too long. Like yeah, he, some, he stayed yeah. with Neuer, I think, too long in that Purdue game, right? Was yeah, that the, yeah. But, but that was the only time he actually did make a change week two. But, like, Chance Nolan had, you know, last – yeah, there were times when Chance Nolan looked a little shaky and you wondered, and, and, you know, there were times when Jake Luton was shaky and you wondered, but he always stuck with him, so – yeah, I mean, could it happen? Sure, but I, I just think he's going to give DJ every chance to to keep this job. I'm watching Cam Rising right now as they're uh, warming up. He doesn't look a hundred percent, and maybe some of it's the knee brace. But uh, they were doing uh, you know a little bit of high knees and some ex- some stuff here, and I was just kind of watching him warm up. I, I'm going to guess he's not going to go tonight. How much? How big a factor is that? in Oregon State's game plan tonight? If it's Cam Rising or not, if they end up, you know, at the quarterback position with Nate Johnson, how big of a difference is that for Trent Bray and Oregon State? 
Well, I know they've been working on both of them, but and and it 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 it, it has weighed on them a little bit because Nate Johnson is going to run the ball much more than the Cam Rising is. For two reasons, you know, Cam, you wouldn't want to put him in harm's way to start with, and two, he's not the runner that Nate Johnson is. So, I mean, I think they think it's going to be Nate Johnson, but they'll they'll have a plan if it is Cam Rising. It, it is a little distracting, though. But I I just think Utah's been doing this every week, where yeah. where where you know they bring Cam Rising to the game. You know, this illusion he's going to play. Up last week. Illusion yeah. he's going to play, and then oh. No, I'm just I'm just carrying a clipboard this week, and I mean my sense is that's what's going to happen tonight too. But but I guess we'll find out in about an hour when they really start doing warm ups. Yeah, I feel like I'm like trying to be a psychic right now, but I'm watching them as you'll be able just... to, you'll be able to give live updates yeah. during the oh he's he's with the ones right now yeah. oh look look at that pass. I can tell you this he uh, he doesn't look like he's a hundred percent as he's you know warming up. But I've never seen him warm up before, so I'm not sure if he's just not a guy who well, it's, it's goes a, through everything. It's a tough injury to come back because you know, Oregon State's got Alton Julian, who was hurt against Utah two years ago on this field, and he still really hasn't come back from that same injury. It's it's you know it's a, as much mental as it is physical um, that the injury. So yeah, I mean it's it's a tough one. What do you make of last week? Washington State, Oregon State shows up there, can't stop. Cam Ward or struggled to stop the pass game. Would you were you surprised by that? that? A little bit, but then I I started looking at you know I start I went back to you know all the stuff that Jonathan has under defense, and I I swear to God it's like almost every big game they've given up is Washington State. It's Washington State mm-hmm. in 2019 they gave up 600 yards in Pullman. The the game here last year uh, Ward threw 54 passes yeah. for almost 400 yards. You know the one in 21 they. I mean, it's like, I mean, Trent Bray out of his 21 games as defensive coordinator has given up, his defense has given up 400 yards three times. So I'm tempted to think it's maybe a one-off, but you know, it isn't, you know, it, there are some newer guys back there. So I'm a little hesitant to say that it's just a one-off, but I don't imagine Trent slept more than four hours between Saturday and tonight. I mean, I, I'm sure he was... I'm sure he took that personally, and and he's been working overtime trying to figure out what to do with it. And I think regardless if it's Rising or Nate Johnson, you're not going to get that same kind of attack, right? Like, you know, Washington State and the way Cam Ward came after Oregon State last week, you're not going to see that tonight. Uh, I'm just curious to see what happens. By the way, students are entering the stadium. They've opened the gates. They opened the gates 90 minutes before the game. Students are pouring in and grabbing those first rows as they come into the stadium. With hats. Uh, they're back in school. I walked the campus today, Dashiell. It was different. Like, you've been around all summer and into fall camp and everything. How different has the campus felt as kids come back? I have never seen so much construction as I've seen this summer at Oregon State. I swear, every every block has got something going on. And it's still a lot of construction going on here. But this campus just looks totally different right now because of all the all the fences and stuff that were up over the summer and they're repairing and building things around here. I'm, I mean, did... I don't know. Did they get into the Pac-12 emergency fund or something? Yeah, they and, must and, have already. You know, They're going to need it if they don't. I mean, it was uh, no. It's no. I. I. In fact, um, Monday, Monday, I went up to the Moral Union to write just just so I could you know kind of be around some of the the energy, I guess, of the of the students because they were they were. That's you know. I, I, 
so yeah, there was. It's definitely changed. There's, there's a lot more cars on campus, a lot more kids on campus, and it's kind of buzzing right now. Nick Dashiell joining us. Uh, he's beat reporter. He covers Oregon State. Uh, I'll give you an update on Cam Rising as we continue to watch him warm up. But Dashiell, is this a must-win for Oregon State today? Mm, I mean, if 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 you're talking Pac-12 championship game, I mean, could they get there if they lose? They could, but then they'd have to run the table. So I suppose from the standpoint that if you want to have any margin for error left, you know, you gotta you gotta win today. Um, I just think this is a game that seems like it's 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 made. You gotta win games like this. It seems like where you're it's playing a home game. Where you're playing at yeah. home. You're playing a team that that isn't moving the ball that well. Your strength is defense. Your you know your strength is running the ball and and tearing up the clock. This just feels like a game you need to win because it's 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 a team that's they're ranked tenth in the country. I don't know that they're I don't know that they're number ten good. Their defense is that good. I don't know if their offense is good enough to make them as as good as as, as they're on paper. So I don't. This is a game you need to. I think they need to win because it's a game they should win. How much is the uncertainty with the Pac two hanging over this season for Oregon State? Or is it really just about football? You know, I guess as soon as they get into the stadium, it becomes about football. But how much, you know, how much energy and time do you think the program is expending on all that other stuff? You know, I don't know. They, we ask a lot, and you know, we get the the, the common answers. But you know, Jonathan will say that you know the players ask questions, but I don't get the impression. You know. They're they're into football, and this season is 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 important. I, I think that stuff's going to start coming up in November, as we get closer to the end, and and you know especially if there's no answers. If there's answers in November, then I think that that'll start that'll start dissipating a little bit. But I don't think it's been I don't think it's been a distraction to the team. I think it's more you know the athletic department, the energy of the athletic department, not knowing what's going on. That that's probably more where it's affecting. Michigan State will have an opening. Mel Tucker fired. Uh, Jonathan Smith's name, I hear him talked about. I also hear Jake Dickert, Kalen DeBoer, uh, and some others talked about. Is there concern about losing him? Does Oh, I mean, sure. I mean, again, it depends on it depends on where, what they end up with. I mean, if he, I mean, if they land in the Mountain West, I'd be surprised if he's back because he wants, you know, he wants to. He knows he can compete at a Power Five level, and I think that's the job kind of job he wants. I don't know. If Michigan State's the right, you know. Could it be Northwestern? Maybe Northwestern, you know, makes a bid for him, and and I mean that. But if they let's say they decide to be the Pac two, does it buy him another year with him or? Is that the same as relegation to the Mountain West? No, I think that's a little different. It might be a little different. I, I mean, to me, the whole key, though, is hanging on to this coaching staff. Players are going to leave, but I think we hang on to the coaching staff. They've proven whatever guys they get here, they can develop and turn into good players. So if they can keep most of this coaching staff together, starting with John, it's got to start with Jonathan, obviously, because if he, if he goes and Obviously, coaches are going to go, but if he stays around and keeps most of the staff, I, I think they're you know they they can they can make something of this program. Oregon got a lot of attention last week with the game against Colorado, and you know later in the season, Oregon State will see Colorado, and I, I kind of wonder if uh, they would have rather had that game early, knowing that you know the attention and the eyeballs may go away after Col- the, some of the shine comes off Colorado. What do you make of that story and? 
and uh, the rest of the conference as you look across the conference? I don't. I mean, I mean, like when would they want to play them? I mean, I don't know. It's you play them later in the year. I mean, there's a good chance that won't be the anywhere close to the same team they even are now because they. I mean, they do have depth issues, and as the season goes on, they're going to lose some players. Um, on the other hand, I mean. I think we saw that Colorado's not a top six team in the Pac-12, and I think Oregon State, you could make a case that they are. So I don't I don't think they really have too much concern about that. And, and the publicity, I don't know. I mean, I don't I, I just kind of wonder if with all the uncertainty hanging overhead, if it was Oregon State last week that got Colorado and beat them 42-6, to six, if that would have given Oregon State a shot in the arm in the eyes of the country versus Oregon. Oregon enjoyed all week. Dan Lanning, I think, in Oregon did a really good job of turning it into, like, a week-long celebration. All the talk, even today, about the video, Nick Saban kind of taking a shot at Dan Lanning for the pregame speech, all that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I get that, but... but... What, what the big picture is, is, is that going to impress, you know, the Big 12 people, the ESPN Fox people? You know, Scott keeps saying we can't move our campus from here to a to a bigger market. We, we are what we are here, you know, regardless if we win or lose. So um, I don't I don't know. You know, it couldn't hurt, but I, I don't know that it would have been as big a shot in the arm as, as maybe some people think it might have been. I'm picking Oregon State, uh, 24-21. Stephen Beck in studio has it like Stephen. What'd you say? Twenty-one seventeen Utah. Yeah, twenty-one seventeen Utah. He said, "Which one of us is uh, crazy?" I said seventeen thirteen Oregon State. So, Look at you. So, you're in the. So you're splitting the difference. So Stephen's crazy. All right, so. <laughs> Stephen's crazy. We've decided that. Yeah. All right. Thank you for stopping by. I'm looking for Cam Rising right now as Utah is breaking off into their position group. But keep in mind, he suited up last week. Then he went back into the locker room and he took the uniform off. So we're not going to know. What it, whether or not Cam Rising's really going until uh, probably right before kickoff, but I'll have you covered right here. It's a where's Waldo. There he is. He's right in the middle of the field. You see him there, the quarterbacks, yep. number seven in your playbook. All right. Uh, Nick Dashel, thank you for stopping by. All right, Appreciate sure. you. All, All right. right. Leave it right here. I'm at Research Stadium broadcasting today from Press Row, and uh, we've had a variety of guests who have cycled through uh, for interviews. And Hal Cowan. Okay, there's a blast from the past for a lot of Oregon State fans has wandered by, and I have put a headset on him. I've told him there's no profanity allowed uh, on the radio. This is not like uh, doing a podcast in your garage, Hal. But let me give you the story if you don't know how. January 1976, Oregon State brings Hal Cowan in as director of sales and promotions. He had worked in the World Football League and at Portland State. He was promoted to director of public relations. Then to sports information director, I believe it was January 1979 that he took over. And I'll tell you this, when I came to the state of Oregon in 2002, I told people I was coming to cover sports in Oregon. They said, look out for Hal Cowan at Oregon State. He's a firecracker. And boy, were they ever right. He was Dennis Erickson's right hand, so to speak. How you doing, Hal? I'm doing great. All right. Uh, what do you think now? We're on the new west side of the stadium. It's pretty nice. It's really beautiful. Thinking back when I came here in 1976, this is one heck of an improvement. Um, when you, uh, when I talk about Dennis Erickson, th- there must be some good memories from, from those days. What were those days like? Well, it was really great. I mean, you know, 
the 2000 year is the best year in football in Oregon State history, in my opinion. And I, you know, that was a great year to be the SID. It was a lot of fun. When uh, you think about, you know, this this thing, Oregon State, and you see a full stadium tonight sold out. You were there for a lot of years when this stadium was not sold out. It was empty. Well, you know, what does that make you th- think about and feel when when you see a sold out and orange out tonight? Well, it makes me proud. Like I said, when I came here, the old days, you could say you could walk up on game day at 10 minutes before kickoff and buy a ticket probably in a 40-yard line. That's how bad it was. So we've come a long way, and uh, I couldn't be happier that have Jonathan Smith running this team because, you know, he was the quarterback on the 2000 team, and I developed a great relationship with him during that year because we did a ton of interviews. But I've always, I mean, Mike Riley said it on the first year he was here as a walk-on, and he was running the scout team. And Mike said he's the only quarterback I've ever had that could come back to the huddle after play and tell me whatever wide receiver was doing on a play. He was that sharp. And I knew then, I said, that guy's destined to be a coach. Yeah, when they brought him in and hired him, you have to, you had to be among the people who said, this is a return to the program's you know roots, so to speak, or at least a guy who understood the challenges. No question. Uh, not that I had any influence, but Bob Grimm and myself, uh, we went to the president, not here in Corvallis, yeah. but or the phone said, you know, we got a great guy out there in Jonathan. Why don't we start hiring from within instead of bringing people in from the outside? We got a guy that knows the program, very successful, bleeds orange and black. I said, it's time to hire him. And they did, thank God. Can I ask you, you know, when I got here, the Oregon-Oregon State rivalry, it was decent. You know, there was some good back and forth. There were some good years with Mike Riley, some great years with Chip Kelly and and, uh, you know, in the last year, we've really seen it kind of balance out with Oregon State uh, winning the last one. But how? what was that rivalry like when both of the teams maybe weren't great? Well, it was tough. <laughs> you know, I had to be, unfortunately, I was in the stands and working and as SID when we had that famous 0-0 game, which is always referred to as the toilet bowl. It may have been the worst college football game I've ever been around. <laughs> but... We've come a long way since then. Did it, did, uh, you know, in the programs, did, like the coaches seem like they're, we're in an era now where there's a lot of, a lot of collegial coaches, but it, was it that way always? Or did you ever see the staffs that really didn't like each other? Or, were, or was there an enemy? Or was there a, an interaction and an enemy with a, a coaching staff that maybe Oregon State didn't get along with? Not that I remember, John. Uh, I think it was more, a lot more cordial in those days, quite frankly, mm. than it is right now. Really? Yeah, this game sure has changed. What, what do you make of what's going on with the Pac-12 and the well, disintegration of that conference? It just makes me sick. And, it, and I'll tell you what, I keep saying, and you have written some great columns about all this, but it shows one thing to me. It says we may have some presidents in the Pac-12 that are very smart in academia, but don't tell me they're smart in business or athletic business because they're not. They don't get it. And I wrote that today. I mean, I and if people want to read it, you can go to johnconzano.com. But it literally is intelligent people who have been promoted in on university campuses because they're collegial and they're smart and they know their discipline. And But that doesn't make them visionary leaders no. or business people. No. And I'll tell you what. 
just University of Oregon down the street. How do you think their softball team, baseball team, volleyball, and all those teams are going to like going to Rutgers on commercial airline? Yeah, and, and how about Rutgers and Michigan coming back? They're going to have to come back and connect yeah. and get into Eugene. I mean, I think I think that we're just beginning to see that. And football should just break away at some point. And and I'm sure you're on the on the side of Oregon State belonging and Washington State belonging in major college football. Well, there's no question. I think we've proven that. And, and the TV ratings, surprisingly, the, the first month of the season has proven that. And I, you know... My hope is that they get some We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry Truth. to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.